Hey, good morning as well, Calvary Church. It's an honor to open God's word with you here this morning. We'll be turning in just a moment to Matthew chapter 22 if you want to get started. There's Bibles that look just like this one in the seat rack in front of you. You can also use a device if that gets you to Matthew 22 uh, quicker or more preferable. That's great too. So we start this new year. Today is our final Sunday of four where we're talking about the love of God. We're talking about the incredible first love of God. We're inviting ourselves as we begin this new calendar year to return and remind ourselves of that love. And then out of that love, then we're called on mission to love God and to love each other. But I've heard in, in different like preaching and public speaking seminars that your average audience listens to you for about 30 seconds before they start thinking of their own things. And so I might have already exhausted my 30 seconds, but give me 30 more. I just want you to hear this this morning if you don't hear anything else. God loves you. God loves you. Sam, God loves you. <laughs> God loves every single one of us. Allison Yates, God loves you so much. Sue Morris, God loves you on your birthday. <laughs> God loves each one of us. Ellen, God loves you. So much, more than you could ever imagine. Belle, God loves you. You know, the scriptures say in Ephesians that God's love is wide. Meaning that we can't outrun it. <laughs> Even when we try, right? <laughs> also says in Ephesians chapter 3 that God's love is deep. Meaning that we can't exhaust it. Steve, you cannot exhaust God's love. None of us can outrun, exhaust, or even comprehend, Ephesians chapter 3 says. It says God's love is so high, John Horrocks. It's so high that we can't even quite understand it fully. Even as I tell you God loves you, you still don't quite understand it. Neither do I. And yet we have this reservoir and this some faint knowledge that God loves us. Wow. Amazing. 2022, let that be the foundation of our lives. God's love for us. Yeah, there's going to be moments when we doubt it. When we get our credit card statement and it's way more than we ever could have dreamed that we spent last month. God, how are you going to provide? Yeah, we, we question God's love when circumstances get really difficult. And yet we just want to return to this, this beautiful foundational truth. God loves you. But it's not me just saying it and it's not even just the word sharing it. It's actually proven by Jesus. Yesterday I was at uh, Triangle Square. You know where that's at in Costa Mesa? Just driving through the intersections there and there was a guy with a cardboard sign and it said, Jesus, heart, you. <laughs> He's just holding it there on the corner. And it's true. 
How do we know? It's because Jesus demonstrated his love for us. While we were yet sinners, Jesus demonstrated. He showed us in action. The incarnation, Christmas. Jesus came into our world. He really came into our world to show his great love for us. Jesus, even as Bell was reaching for the cross, Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. Jesus shed his blood on the cross in order to, sh- to forgive us of our sh- sins. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Jesus demonstrated his love in the incarnation and the crucifixion. And Jesus demonstrated his love in the resurrection. On the third day, overcoming sin, conquering death. And Jesus demonstrates his love by sending the helper, the Holy Spirit, to live in our lives, to fill us with the love of God. And so we talk about God's love, we read about God's love, and we see demonstrations of God's love through the incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then what's our response? Our response to this great love is twofold. And that's what Matthew 22 talks about. And so look with me. This is the account of Jesus two days before the Last Supper. A couple of days before he goes to the cross. Matthew 21 through 25-ish. It's pretty intense for Jesus. He's in Jerusalem. He's being questioned by the religious leaders. This is the scene and the setting where he overturns the tables and the temple. He has different religious leaders that kind of get pushed to the front to to ask him really hard questions. Right before here, Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34, some religious leaders try to corner Jesus about the resurrection and what will happen in eternity. They ask him the hardest question they can think of. And then we land in verse 34 of Matthew 22. And it says this. But when the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, this is about the resurrection right before that, they met together to question him again. Verse 35 of Matthew 22. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. And you can see the question in the next verse, verse 36. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? This would be like, in their mind, it would be like asking a parent who their favorite kid is, right? There's like, how do you answer this question? Like, of the commandments, there's there's the Ten Commandments, and then there's all the Levitical laws. So, So how is Jesus supposed to pick just one? And then the God man, fully God, fully man, Answers incredibly. Verse 37, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So last week, Eric talked about the idea of of this is how we respond to, to the incredible, deep, wide, uncomprehendable love of God. We love God back. We love God with everything we have, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then look at verse 39. Jesus then adds this. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all demands of the prophets are based on these two 
commandments. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so as relevant as this answer was in the first century outside the temple in Jerusalem, it's relevant for us here today in January 2022. Love God as a response and then out of that, love your neighbor. Specifically, it says love your neighbor as yourself. This idea that we want to talk about today. Loving people, loving the neighbor that's around you. Loving them like you would love yourself. What, what does that, exactly that mean? Well, I think it's like this. It's, we have our own perspective, right, on life. Everything that we see in this world, every relationship we have is from our point of view. And we have certain expectations and we give grace to ourselves, but then we kind of, we're kind of harder on others because we know our own motives, but we don't always trust others' motives. It's like this. When you're riding a bike in public, aren't cars your enemy? <laughs> it's like every car is going too fast, is driving too close to the bike lane. Uh, cars are just in your way. They're annoying. Your perspective when you're riding a bike is, I have the right of way and these cars are in the way. But now flip the scenario. When you're driving and there's a biker next to you, maybe too close to the road, now you're saying, oh, that biker is so annoying. <laughs> That biker is in my way or, or they go to a stoplight and they're in the lane. And you're like, bike should go back to your lane. Like this is for cars. And, and so it's all about your perspective, right? When you're on a bike, you're the hero. When you're in the car, you're the hero. And so it's saying in the same way that you have your own perspective, your own kind of look at life, now turn that around and love others as you love yourself. How are we doing on that, church? It's not easy, is it? We need a supernatural strength to be able to love others well, to love our neighbor as ourself. We have all kinds of examples of our world and our culture doing this poorly. Here is a scene of uh, a beautiful house, two houses actually, in Laguna Beach. Maybe you saw this uh, news story in 2021. These two neighbors in Laguna, both of their houses are worth about $35 million each. And they got into a dispute uh, over, started off with a statue and where the statue was placed. And it kind of escalated from there. At one point, one of the neighbors put a speaker towards the other house and played the theme song for Gilligan's Island 24 hours a day. <laughs> And so these two neighbors who live in this beautiful place have made it, so to speak, found themselves in a Santa Ana courthouse arguing with each other. Ultimately, one of the neighbors broke a violation and was sentenced to two days in jail. For what? Basically being a bad neighbor. And we have all kinds of examples like that in our world, not just in Laguna. I want to be more like this guy. This guy uh, lived in Sydney, Australia, in a home that also looked out to the ocean. He was a retired insurance salesman. His name is Don Ritchie. Don lived next to the ocean, but in this particular place, it was known in Sydney, Australia, as the Gap. 
The gap was a place that people who were considering ending their lives would go and they would jump off the cliff. Don Ritchie didn't know that when he bought the house, but as he began living in this place and seeing all these desperate individuals show up at the gap, Don Ritchie decided to do something about it. And it's estimated over the four decades that Don Ritchie lived next to the gap that he saved over 160 people from jumping off the cliffs. And he simply, it's really cool, isn't it? He simply would walk out to the cliffs when he saw somebody standing there on the edge. And he would say, would you come in and can I offer you a cup of tea? And they would get off the cliffs, walk over across the street to his house. He would serve them some tea and then just hear their story. Who do you want to be today? You know, we could be the Laguna neighbor. We could be this guy from Australia. Or sometimes we're just this guy. This guy uh, owned a a property, uh, a business, next to the Milwaukee, Wisconsin airport. And one day, with a lot of time on his hands, he thought, you know what would be funny? All these planes are landing over my building onto the airport. I should just write something to welcome them to the city of Milwaukee. But then he thought, you know what would be even better than that? I should scare every single person who looks out the window of their plane and write, welcome to Cleveland. (laughs) Although every Green Bay Packers fan probably wishes that was true today. So who do you want to be? You want to be the Laguna neighbor? You want to be Don Ritchie? Or maybe you just want to be the guy that says, welcome to Cleveland. (laughs) We're called to love our neighbor. Who, who, who exactly is our neighbor? The scriptures talk about that. We've even covered that in the last few months. The, the Good Samaritan story, right? This idea that our neighbor can actually be more than just our geographical neighbor, although that's included too. And so I want to go over just a few ideas, hopefully prompted by the Holy Spirit to encourage you, of who you're called to love. The first is this. We're called to love one another. Now the context of one another is fellow believers in Jesus. In the Bible, over a hundred different times we're instructed to love one another. Almost all of those contexts are fellow Christians, fellow believers, followers of Jesus. In fact, 16 different times in the New Testament, it tells us To love one another. That word love, agape. We've talked about that in this series on Sundays. Self-sacrificial love. One another in the original Greek language means mutually reciprocal. And so we're to be self-sacrificing to serve one another. Romans says to outdo each other in service. To love one another in that way. So that should be our mindset as followers of Jesus. That as we view other believers in Jesus, we're called to love them by serving them, giving up our rights, and caring for them as Jesus cares for each of us. I came across um, a a note that someone wrote on this idea of loving one another. and, and, And it was really convicting to me. It said, notice the scriptures don't say, defeat one another, shame one another, exclude one another. Embarrass one another, scrutinize one another, marginalize one another. 
No, it simply says, love one another. That's our task, church. So let me ask you, how are you doing in that? (laughs) How are you doing in loving fellow Christians? Is your mindset when you show up here to Calvary and you gather with the saints on a Sunday, is your mindset, how can I outdo others in serving them? Who can I serve today? Who can I listen to? Who can I bear a burden with? Last week I had just a cool experience where my friend Brian walked by and I was talking to uh, a couple other friends. And Brian said hi, we said hello, and, and his wife Linda was in the hospital last week. And, uh, and so the two people that I was talking to originally had never met Brian, so they introduced themselves to each other. And then this couple just says, wow, hearing about your wife, can we just pray right now? And uh, the four or five of us just gathered together and prayed over Brian and his wife. And it's like, that just should be normal in church, right? I know maybe it's awkward to pray with people that you don't know or you haven't met before, but, but we should have this mindset of like, I'm here for a purpose, to love one another, to serve each other. Is that what we're thinking when we show up here on a Sunday? Or are we thinking, I got to get my right parking place. I got to be able to sit in the seat I want to sit in. Ooh, Matt Doan's speaking? Oh, okay. Well, we'll just have to endure it. <laughs> I like that worship song. I don't like that worship song. Okay, we got to get up our stuff and leave as soon as uh, they do the benediction because we got to make our way out to the parking lot so we don't have to wait in line and we can get to a place where we need to eat and get out of here. How can we look at this place as a place to operate and to love one another? That's our task. Let me pray right now because I want to actually pray that into us right now. Father, this is a supernatural task. God, would you allow the people of Calvary Church to love each other well, to serve each other well. God, lay down our rights. God, start with me. In Jesus' name, amen. A second neighbor is this, is to love those in your way. And I mean that in a couple different ways. Sometimes you feel like people are in your way, especially in Orange County where there's three million people, right? But we're called to love those that God places in our path, that are in our way, so to speak. This is, again, the Good Samaritan story of the idea that Jesus tells a story where the Samaritan's on his way and and runs into somebody that he wasn't expecting to see. And yet God gives him this opportunity to care for him. Well, what does that look like for us? Who is in your way? Well, in a good way, it could be those who live with you, your spouse, your kids, your roommate, your parents. Those are people that God's calling us as a neighbor to love. And then you leave your home and it's the barista at the coffee shop, the person that serves you in the restaurant, the other cars at the red light. What would it look like if just at every red light this week you prayed for every car at the intersection? How cool would that be? Rather than looking at our phone (laughs) or getting pole position to see if we can get off the line the quickest. How cool would it be to change that mentality? To love those that are in our way. It also includes your coworkers. Think of that one coworker right now that you're going to see this week. That you need to show the love of God to. Could be your classmates. Could be those that you even see on Zoom. 
We're called to love our neighbor, and that includes those that are in our way. Here's a third neighbor. It's to love the vulnerable. Since the time of Jesus, Christians have been known for taking care of the vulnerable. Those that culture cast aside. Those that culture says, I don't have enough time for, uh, you're too complicated. Christians have been called to care for those that are most in need. That are most stomped on and pushed away by culture. And I want to remind you or even just uh, inform you that this week is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And we celebrate or we remind ourselves that that was in 1973, wasn't it? That Roe v. Wade was uh, established here in the United States. Which made abortion uh, a, a right of any citizen and non-citizen in this country. And, and we mourn that as the most vulnerable in the womb are attacked, marginalized, and extinguished. And I wanted today on this day, both to remind you of that, but also to celebrate that God is doing things in this realm. And so I wanted to ask somebody to come up here who, who has committed her life to caring for the vulnerable in the womb. And so I want to invite Dawn Hughes to come up. She is the CEO of Obria Medical Group. And she'll tell you a little bit about what that is. The closest Obria is just down on First Street. So if you go out to the Tustin here, take a right, and then take a right on first, you'll run into an Obria clinic. And so can we welcome, Calvary Church, welcome to Dawn. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. So Dawn, you're relatively new here in Orange County. So welcome to SoCal, uh, Arizona, born and raised. But um, tell us personally, why are you passionate about life in the womb and those that are vulnerable? So I've spent over 35 years of my life in healthcare, um, much of that dedicated to the care of the vulnerable and the women. And I love because I'm going to cheat on my little Go notes here <laughs> because I am not a theologian by any choice. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> but want to remind everybody in Matthew hmm. 2540, so we even coordinated hmm. our stuff, yeah. um, that what we do for the least of his brethren, we do for him. Hmm. And again, as Matt has talked, hmm. the most defenseless are those babies in the womb. Hmm. And they are the most precious and the most innocent. Mm. And we just need to love. Um, mm. They're brought here to love. Mm. They are the absolute perfect image of what a human being should be. Mm. So again, our mission at Obria is to surround these women that are in making difficult choices because our secular world tells us that being a mother is a burden. Mm. It's a complication to your life mm -hmm. and that ridding the lives of these precious children is just a medical procedure that we can get rid of these loving loving mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. so this is why I do what I do amen well done and tell us for so those of us that haven't heard of Obria or it's been a while tell us exactly what Obria medical group is about so actually there's two, two things that you've said mm -hmm. here. So Obria Medical Group is the mothership or the think tank of what drives Obria Medical Clinics. Mm -hmm. um, and we are very blessed to have an Obria Medical Clinic um, right here in Orange County. And several of my nurses are your guys' lovely parishioners. Mm -hmm. So we basically are a life-affirming chain of um, women health care clinics. Mm -hmm. So what we do is that means we provide 
full health care for women, from well women care to prenatal care, mm. um, uh, testing, um, and ultrasounds. Mm. So anything that a woman needs, we are there. And mm. most importantly, we're there for those undecided women, whether they think motherhood, whether it be a happy parent or whether it be a gift parent. Mm -hmm. um, we help them choose life mm -hmm. and help them with to the resources that they need, not only for the great medical care, but to face some of those everyday decisions that push the burden onto of, mm -hmm. am I able to be a mother or not? And lots to pray for. There's a spiritual battle taking place in this whole realm. So what are a couple specific ways we can be praying for you, praying for Obria? Um, again, it is a spiritual battle we do every day. Um, again, you um, alluded to Roe v. Wade, mm -hmm. and that has just given us nearly 50 years of murdering innocent children as being okay and a right. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, this past year has showed many, many steps towards reversing this and, again, bringing us back into the light of God and accepting mm -hmm. these children. Mm -hmm. So please pray for that. Again, pray for my wonderful staff who are out there in the front lines every day caring for these mothers mm -hmm. and trying to find the words to reassure them and let them know that they are loved, not only by God, but by our communities to support them. Amen. Amen. Let's pray even right now. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you that you care for the most vulnerable. God, thank you that you care for life in the room. We've already said it, Psalm 139, Lord. We're fearfully and wonderfully made in our mother's womb. And so, God, I pray for Don and uh, the wonderful staff of Obria. God, would you protect them from spiritual discouragement, from emotional burnout? God, would you be with every single woman and man that walks into their offices? Would they feel grace the minute they walk in? And would they feel peace, Lord, um, that you are with them? And God, we pray for uh, every uh, staffer, volunteer, uh, that God, that you'd equip them to do this unto you. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we said, amen. Hey, thank you, Don. Well done. That's great. So Don and my wife, Marie, who also works at Obria, and Darren Kempkis, who leads our faith in public policy, they're going to lead a 30-minute time just to hear a little bit more about Obria and to specifically pray a little bit farther and deeper. We're going to meet right over here from 10.30 to 11 after the service. So if you can stick around, be wonderful. 10.30 to 11, right over here in this kind of area, and we'll spend a few minutes in prayer together. So our neighbor includes the vulnerable. Our neighbor also includes the stranger. I've got a really cool report to share with you guys. So Tom and Gail Shook, Calvary missionaries, have been working with refugees as they've been called back to Orange County from Korea. And, and part of their refugee work, they've gotten connected to Afghan refugees. Remember our Thanksgiving offering was to go towards funding uh, both Afghan ministries in the country of Afghanistan, as well as supporting uh, those that might come here to California. And I just have a really cool update on that from the Shooks, is that they've been working with the city of Santa Ana to secure low-cost apartments for a couple of families to come in to our city, and we've received approval for that, which is so cool. And so within hopefully the next month, we're going to have actual families that have been transported out of Afghanistan that will be landing here in Santa Ana for us to love. And so that's just one small opportunity for us to love the stranger. 
someone who looks different from us, thinks different, speaks different. We're called as followers of Jesus. That's, that's our neighbor. And then finally, we're called to love our enemy. Called those that not only think differently than us, but are actually antagonistic towards us. We're called to love that person. Now, as you look at these five, it's a pretty long list, huh? <laughs> Maybe in the kind of the, the ease or the peace of this sanctuary, surrounded by other followers of Jesus, it's like, okay, I can do this. I can be this type of neighbor. I don't want to be the Laguna guy. I want to be the Sydney guy. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Let's make this checklist. Love one another. Love those my way. Love the vulnerable. Love the stranger. Love the enemy. Okay, I'm going for it. And then we walk outside this building and we feel like we just fall on our face. <laughs> this is not easy, is it? We need supernatural strength. During this uh, series, the last few weeks, I've come across a passage that I felt like I didn't even really know that was in the scriptures or I haven't remembered it. It's Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Don't you love that about the Bible? When you come across a passage that maybe you've read before, but for whatever reason, the context, the season you're in, it just leaps off the pages to you. This has been the passage for me. Romans 5, 5. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The only way that you can love one another Love those in your way. Love the vulnerable. Love the stranger and even love your enemy. It has to be the Holy Spirit who fills your heart with God's love. You'll never be able to do it without the supernatural strength of God. Amen? Amen. We have no other hope. And so let's live out Romans 5. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. God, may I... May I truly be filled by you to do this. And so I'm going to pray for that in just a moment. But I also want to give us a love challenge. We have like 30-something days until Valentine's Day. Guys, a little like heads up right there. <laughs> you might want to like go to Target today rather than like February 13th. Pick up a card. But this challenge uh, you'll find either online or if you walked in, maybe you grabbed the insert. Or as you walk out. You can grab a little half-page handout as well. It's just some simple ways that you can begin to demonstrate, powered by the Holy Spirit, to love those around you. To love your neighbor. And I'll just kind of even recite a few of them so you kind of get a flavor of what this looks like. Spend five minutes in prayer for your spouse or someone close to you. Text, call, or FaceTime a, a long-distance friend or, or family member. Invite a non-believer to Calvary Sunday service in the most loving and kind way you can think of. Make soup for a sick friend. Give a fast food gift card to a busy young mom or dad. Write an uplifting Bible verse in sidewalk chalk on your driveway to encourage those that walk by. Prayer walk your neighborhood. Write a note to your child's teacher or principal and just thank them for surviving during COVID. In the same way, drop off hand sanitizer or wipes to a nearby public school. Look for an opportunity to genuinely compliment a service industry worker on the job that they are doing. 
Those are just a few of those that are on that list. You know, when we go to the gym to work out, you're all motivated, right? But then you get into the gym and you're like, what exactly do I do? <laughs> Sometimes you need a list. You need a plan. I'm not inviting you, you don't have to do all 20 of these by Valentine's Day. But it's just a little prompter to begin to do small things that lead to a lifestyle, supernatural lifestyle, to love your neighbor. And so if you'll do this, if you'll just simply, as you're in your seat, just open your hands like this in an act of receiving. And let's make this our prayer. Father, I know that you're working right now in my heart and all of our hearts. Prompting us, showing us people that we're called to love. But God, we acknowledge that in our own strength, there's not much we can do. God, we need you so bad. God, apart from you, we can do nothing. God, as a posture of receiving, we invite your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Give us the strength that we need to genuinely and authentically and humbly sacrifice for the other. God, thank you for hearing this prayer. In the name of Jesus, we prayed. Amen.